Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End. Although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Robin McLaurin Williams was born on July 21, 1951, in Chicago, Illinois. His father, Robert Fitzgerald Williams, who was a senior executive in Ford's Lincoln Mercury Division, his mother, Lori McLaurin, was a former model from Jackson, Mississippi, whose great-grandfather was a Mississippi senator. Robin had two older half-brothers, one paternal and one maternal. His mother believed in Christian science. Robin and his father believed in the Episcopal faith. Robin would credit his mother for the influence on his humor. He would try and make her laugh for attention. It's hard to believe he described himself as a quiet, shy kid until he joined the drama department in high school. His friends remember him as a really funny kid. When Robin turns 12, his father is transferred to Detroit, Michigan. The family lived in a 40-room farmhouse on 20 acres. He excelled in every school he attended and was even elected class president once. Since both his parents worked, Robin was partly raised by the family's housekeeper. For a time, the housekeeper was considered Robin's main companion. At 16, Robin's father moves the family to Tiberon, California. By the time he graduates from high school, he is labeled most likely not to succeed, and of course the funniest. After high school, he goes on to college and study political science. He would end up dropping out of college to pursue an acting career. He studied at community college for three years. His acting professor knew that he was going to be something special. So much for most likely not to succeed. In 1973, Robin attends the Juilliard School in New York City. Only 20 students in the freshman class would be accepted that year, along with fellow student Christopher Reeve. The pair would be the only students accepted into an advanced program at the school that year. William Hurt and Mandy Patinkin were also students in the same class. Christopher Reeve would describe Robin as a person with so much energy, like an untied balloon that had been inflated, then immediately released. Great description. To say that he was on was an understatement. It was no shock that Juilliard School wasn't the perfect fit for Robin. It is such a conservative school that it may not have suited him for long. He was super spontaneous, improvisational, and so, so off the cuff. Perhaps shocking to some, but impressive to others. Robin and Christopher remained close friends up until Christopher's death in 2004. In 1976, Robin's stand-up comedy career begins. In the San Francisco Bay Area at the Holy City Zoo, a comedy club where he worked his way up from the from tending bar. San Francisco, California was a part of heavy drug scene and sexual revolution in the 1960s. And by the late 1970s, it morphed into the comedy renaissance. In 1977, Robin moves to Los Angeles, California. He continues his stand-up career in comedy clubs, including the Comedy Store. He was noticed by a producer who asked him to appear in one of his shows. That same year, he performed at the L.A. Improv for HBO. Although his debut television performance failed, show-wise, not performance, it still led to better things. He continued with his stand-up, including performing in London, England. 
With Robin's success, he appeared in a sitcom named Mork and Mindy from September 14, 1978 to May 27, 1982. In the late 1970s and the 1980s, Robin will star in three HBO stand-up comedy specials. He will also win a Grammy Award for Best Comedy Album for a 1979 show called Reality? What a Concept. David Letterman would comment on Robin's talent that he came in like a hurricane. David also was doing stand-up when they first met and knew each other for 40 years. Early in his career, Robin stated due to stress, he did indulge in drugs and alcohol. Although he maintains that he never used drugs or alcohol while performing, he admitted that he was often hung over from the night before. He also used cocaine and it often made him quite paranoid while on stage. He was described as intense, manic, and beyond energetic. Robin's own biographer referred to him as dangerous, referring to his mental state, that his stand-up comedy kind of defied analysis. As long as the world keeps on a spinning, Robin had no doubt there was plenty of material available for his comedy. He was accused of stealing jokes in a competitive industry, but he adamantly denied this. Although some comedians claimed their own particular jokes were indeed stolen, other comedians defended him knowing that a slight duplication of others' material was almost inevitable in their world, and that it probably happened all the time. In 1980, he appears in the movie Popeye. Although it was not a commercial success, it had nothing to do with his performance. Uh, I still watch that movie to this day, and I think it's hilarious. The song still gets stuck in my head. I've also passed the love on to my kid, who still watches it too. In 1982, he appears in the movie The World According to Garp, a more serious movie that highlights his diversity as an actor. In 1987, he receives an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor in the movie Good Morning Vietnam. In 1989, he played a teacher in Dead Poet Society, earning him yet another Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. In 1990, he played a doctor in Awakenings. In 1991, he played Peter Pan in Hook. In 1997, he played a therapist in Goodwill Hunting. The role, <clears throat> the role that won him an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. In 1998, he played a grieving husband in What Dreams May Come. In 2002, he played a murderer on the run in Insomnia. Also in 2002, he played an emotionally disturbed photo development technician in One Hour Photo. His acting talents are so obviously diverse. He could be funny, caring, and disturbing while earning sympathy as an actor. His characters were, were relatable. He made you want to root for him. He would also lend his voice to several animated films like Disney's Aladdin in 1992 he played Genie. He also is credited with a couple stage performances. Robin was married three times to Valerie, Marsha, and Susan. He liked running, The Legend of Zelda, anime, and bicycling. He has three kids, one Zelda named for his favorite video game. His favorite childhood book was The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. He believed in giving back. He appeared in comic relief to help fight the homeless problems. He fought for women's rights and veteran benefits. He traveled the USO circuit. In 2009, Robin was hospitalized due to heart problems. He had surgery to replace his aortic valve, fix his mitral valve, and correct his irregular heartbeat. It was reported that Robin was suffering from severe depression right before his death. His third wife, Susan, has stated 
that he was sober before his death and that he had been diagnosed with early stages of Parkinson's disease, Louis Bodies, information that he wasn't ready to share publicly. Robbins started suffering in October of 2013, bringing him fear, anxiety, stress, insomnia that morphed into memory loss, paranoia, and delusions. It's like he knew himself he was losing his mind. On August 11, 2014, Robin takes his own life. He hangs himself in his Paradise K, California home. After suffering from anxiety and depression, no illegal drugs or alcohol played a role in his death. The Louis bodies attack your brain, a type of dementia that affects the sleep, behavior, cognition, movement, and regulation of body function. It seems to me that Robin was and is still so loved. He had an extreme personality that touched many people. His personality was so strong that it didn't deserve the ending that it got. I personally like many of his movies, and I just realized the information that I read didn't even mention Mrs. Doubtfire. Shout out to that movie. So funny and so caring and relatable. In a way, I probably wouldn't have gone about my life exactly like Mrs. Doubtfire, but hey, you never know. My hope is that no one has to live in fear, ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org. Thanks so much for listening. I am Rachel Vallisnor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>